We are officially in football season and the first preseason game starts this week. So it's time for my very first NFL power rankings of this season. Plus, Ezekiel Elliott, should he take less money? to stay with the Dallas Cowboys. And Baker Mayfield has an incident at practice that I need to discuss if it's a good sign or a bad sign for his development. Plus, Melvin Gordon holding out, and Phillip Rivers has thoughts, and Bryce Harper struggles in Philly. All that now. Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Friend, here on a Monday. Happy Monday. Happy NFL season, folks. We have the first NFL preseason game taking place this Thursday. So it is time. Let's waste no more time and get started with my very first NFL power rankings of the season. I'm going to give you my top 10 and let me start at number one with the Kansas City Chiefs. Listen, I'm all in on my homeboy. I am. Patrick Mahomes is legit. He's legit. And I, I'm all in. I'm done doubting him. I gave that take last week. I also think this whole narrative that, oh, the Chiefs defense, the Chiefs defense, watch out, watch out, watch out. I don't think it's terrible as people are talking about. Like, I think their secondary still definitely has holes, but that front seven is going to be legit. And the Kansas City Chiefs are the best team and football on paper. Number two, the New England Patriots. All I hear is, oh my goodness, this roster has more concerns than previous years. And I'm looking at the roster and like, uh, where are you looking at? Because they still have Tom Brady. They still have a very good offensive line. They have a incredibly deep running back core. They have a top five secondary in the whole entire NFL. And oh yeah, they have somebody named Bill Belichick in the hoodie. They're number two. Number three, the Los Angeles Chargers. Every single year, including myself, NFL fans think, oh, it's finally their year, right? Finally their year. And then it's not. But I think this could be their year. Once they get full years from from Joey Bosa and Hunter Henry, they might have the best defense in the NFL. I know Melvin Gordon is holding out, which we'll get to later, but they were 4-0 without him last year. So they're number three. Number four, they're New Orleans Saints. Everyone is high on this team. And listen, I'm high on them. I'm just not as high on them as other people possibly are. They lost Ingram in the offseason. I think their defense is shaky, especially their secondary. And I think they're going to need a colonoscopy to recover from what happened last season. And let's not underestimate the toll that takes on a team. But still, nonetheless, the talent there is real there, number four. Number five is the Philadelphia Eagles, folks. And I had to do like a triple take here because I kept on not wanting to put them this high up. But I just couldn't not. My main reason of concern is Carson Wentz injuries and all the injuries he's had. As of April, for Pete's sake, he said his back still isn't 100%. But if he comes back healthy and the whole slew of players who they had injured last year come back healthy... They're going to be a real threat again, once again, in the NFC. At six, the Indianapolis Colts. Listen, other than Mahomes, I'll just remind people that lucked through the most touchdowns last year and had a really good season. As long as he has anywhere close to the season he had last year, with the additions of Justin Houston and Devin Funchess, 
the Chargers and Patriots are going to want to watch out in the AFC. Number seven, the Los Angeles Rams. Listen, if not for Sean McAvey, I might have not even put them this high up, quite frankly. I'm still not sold that Jared Goff is anything more than a game manager. And Todd Gurley at the age of 24 is on a veteran management schedule right now, according to his team. Whatever that means. He's going to miss preseason games, all of them. He's barely going to practice because his knees are so messed up. And their defense can't get it together. But because of McVay and the talent they've shown, I'm going to put them in at number seven. Number eight, the Dallas Cowboys. I can't believe it either. I know. But the reality is they have the offense. They have the defense. They have a legit shot at the Super Bowl for the first time in many years. Though Cowboys fans think they have a shot at it every year. But at the end of the day, I keep on reminding myself, it is Dallas. And number nine, welcome to 2019 because it's the Cleveland Browns. I said it last week on paper, their roster, it's, it's, it's real legit. The problem is this team handling expectations and the development of Baker Mayfield's to me, are question marks. Number 10, the Atlanta Falcons. There's a lot of teams that could have gone at number 10, but when you look at the injuries this team had last year, possibly no no other team in the NFL had as many and significant. Devontae Freeman, Deion Jones, Keanu O'Neal. I mean, I could go down the list of injuries this team had. I think if they stay healthy, they're a team to watch out for. Phew. So that's my top 10 preseason. We'll see how that changes as the year goes along. We'll probably give another one before the season starts. Now, according to the NFL Network, Ezekiel Elliott has a contract offer on the table, but him and his team have yet to submit their counteroffer or respond at all. Oh, Cowboys. Oh, Cowboys. Even in a year in which you have a shot at the Super Bowl, a legit shot, not just a Cowboys fan shot, a legit shot, you still have to have drama like this, don't you? Because my guess is, you know, why he hasn't responded, right? Because this was allegedly submitted on Saturday. Either he was just busy chilling with his feet up, which I highly doubt, or him and his team were insulted by the offer and didn't even feel the need to counter. And listen, I don't blame the Cowboys for submitting a low offer, but the reality is this is going to take a Le'Veon Bell-like contract in all likelihood. Four years, 52 to $55 million, so to speak. And as I've said in the past, the Cowboys had a lot have a lot of leverage here, in my opinion. But then again, Ezekiel is not going to take less money from the Dallas Cowboys, and nor should he. Why would he want to? I'll just remind Dallas Cowboys fans, you haven't won a Super Bowl since Zeke was born. The damn man was born months after your last Super Bowl. So I'll just remind you all that he's not going to take less money, and nor should he. But the more I think about this, I still think the Cowboys have more leverage. But when you look at the running back depth there, which is none, because Darius Jackson right now is their backup. And if you're asking who, probably a good question. 2016 Dallas pick, 16 total yards in his career. They also have a couple like fourth and seventh round draft picks there as running backs. I still think the Cowboys have more leverage. I do. But all I'm saying is when you look at this and when you look at it from Zeke's perspective, I don't think it's as crazy as people think, maybe in Dallas and that organization for him to get what he wants, which is the Le'Veon Bell contract. 
And we'll see. Time will tell, right? Time will tell. But for him not to respond to the offer leaves me guessing that it, it had to be a low ball offer. Let's get to this. Baker Mayfield, according to multiple reports over there in Cleveland, at the team's latest training camp practice, was screaming and swore at receivers after a failed scramble play. Listen, I asked the question on today's show whether I love, like, or hate this, and I'm going to say I hesitantly like this with the emphasis on the hesitantly. Because coming into the NFL, I was... Very, very reluctant on buying in on Maker Bayfields, and I heavily criticized him in college. He showed time and time again he allowed the emotions to get ahead of, oh, I don't know, actually thinking consciously. And that hurt his team. It hurt his team in the end. And in the NFL, it seemed like he had that undergrass in the first year. My concern is his ego comes back into play, and then it shows its ugly head yet again. But I like it in theory because he needs to be a leader. He needs to be a leader on this team at a time in which, as weird as it is and sounds to say, the Browns are under the national microscope. They are. They have a microscope on them. They're under that. I get that sounds bizarre. I get that sounds weird. But it's the reality of the situation, and Mayfield's being the guy and the personality is has to lead them through that. Otherwise, this team has the potential to be a complete and utter disaster. And I mean that. I don't think there's much middle ground with the Cleveland Browns this year. They're either going to excite and live up or they're going to fail in absolutely fire-burning fashion. And either way, whichever way this team goes, has a lot to do with Baker Mayfield. All right. Now, uh, Ezekiel is not the only running back holding out. Also, Melvin Gordon has decided to hold out with the Los Angeles Chargers. And Phillip Rivers was asked about this and said, quote, We love Melvin. But we're going to go with what we've got. It's a pretty dang good group. End quote. What I heard a lot on social media and the reaction so far is, Oh, look at Philip Rivers throwing Melvin Gordon under the bus. How dare he? How dare he do that? Just throw him right under the bus. Oh, how can he do that? That's his teammate. He's done so much for him. And I'm just looking at it like... I mean, you might not like the fact that he said it publicly, which I get, but the dude's right. The dude's right. Melvin Gordon doesn't have a whole lot of leverage here, if any at all, to be quite frank. He's entering the last year of his rookie contract in which he's going to get a massive pay increase from previous years. He's not going to be paid $5 million. The Chargers, if they want, can franchise him, franchise tag him twice after that. And I'll just remind people they have Austin Eckler who there's been multiple reports that some in the organization there even believe he could be better than Gordon, which I think might be a stretch, but Eckler's good. They also have a guy like Justin Jackson, and they're deep there. The bottom line is, I think the Chargers have the leverage, and I think at the end of the day, Gordon knows it. According to Adam Schefter, he's willing to miss, quote, some regular season games. Well, you can go on and miss some, and the Chargers will take that. They'll take that. They'll take arrested you. They don't care as long as you come back in time for the playoffs and the meaningful games. And if you're just willing to miss some some games, it's the best of both worlds for the Chargers. They're like, you're going to be rested. You're going to be ready to go. You're going to be wanting to earn a contract. And I think that's how this will eventually end. And what we're seeing in the NFL is teams not valuing running backs nowhere near as much as they used to. 
and running backs knowing, hey, we got to get paid early and often. Otherwise, we might never get paid. Now, A.J. Green over the weekend, before I do get to Bryce Harper, uh, tore a ligament in his left ankle. He's out six to eight weeks. And what you're hearing now is the Bengals already blaming the turf because what they were doing, for those who don't know, they were practicing on the turf in which the first ever NFL game was played on because it's the 100-year anniversary of that game. Go ahead and blame it on the turf. With all due respect to the man, he's injury-prone as hell. It's now his right, it's now his left foot, rather, left ankle area, whatever you want to call it. Before it was his right foot in 2018, 2014. And unfortunately, every once in a while, we remember a guy for his injuries and what he could have been. And don't get me wrong, Green has had a great career so far. But I think this is unfortunately somebody we're going to remember for his injuries and what he could have been instead of what he actually was. Let's get to this. Uh, One MLB executive called Bryce Harper good but not great in a Bleacher Report article lengthy on Bryce Harper asking whether or not this is going to be a good contract. And listen, I said it at the time. This isn't hindsight, folks. I said at the time, terrible contract will go down as one of the worst contracts in MLB history, and I still stand by that. Still stand by terrible contracts for the Phillies. Why do you think so many teams in Major League Baseball, not just the small market teams who couldn't afford him, but even big market teams like the Yankees, wanted no part or anything to do with him? He's hitting 254 this year. He's hit below 260 in three out of the past four seasons. And everybody's living on the hope that 2017 was the norm. When in fact 2017 was the exception, not the rule. His game is not an efficient game. Go up there, swing the living hell out of the bat, and hope you connect. It's not an efficient game. And there are some that can do that type of game at an elite level. But Bryce Harper, I agree, does it as a, at a good but not great level. That's what he is at this point. And quite frankly, uh, good might be a little bit kind at times. He'll get hot. He'll get cold. That's the type of game he has. And it will be the type of game he always has. And now you're in the midst in the first year of this deal, this contract. He's 26, and this is how it looks, Philadelphia fans. Unless he makes some sort of adjustment why he's still in his prime over the next two to three years, it's only going to get worse. And that's why I still stand by this will go down as one of the worst contracts in Major League Baseball history. On that cheery note for Philadelphia fans, that is the podcast for you today. Sportsnet Show released as always. Sportsnet.com, the YouTube channel. Good to be back after a weekend off. I will be back tomorrow. Sportsnet Show, podcast. I'm sure a lot more football. I'll see you then. Everyone have a good night. Thank you.